I'd like to take a moment now to tell you about my favorite co-parenting app, Fair. There are other apps out there, but Fair is the only one that I recommend to my clients. We know that divorce is never easy, and when children are in the picture, it can be really tricky, especially when you're trying to communicate with your ex, and that's a challenge. Now there's an app with you and your kids in mind. It's called Fair, F-A-Y-R. Fair is the easiest, most intuitive, and conflict-diffusing co-parenting app on the market. It helps to eliminate misunderstandings while also improving communication between co-parents. Here's what the Fair app can do. It has a time-sharing calendar, documentable text messaging, an expense tracker, a GPS check-in, and by the way, no one else has that, a monthly parenting report, a private journal, a file vault, and importantly, you can export all of the records into a convenient and time and date stamped PDF when you need it for your attorney or for court. And there's a Spanish version of the app as well. So subscribe at BeFair.com, that's B-E-F-A-Y-R.com, and then download FAIR from the App Store or Google Play. You can go to FAIR.com for more details and use the discount code SUSANG18 to receive 20% off. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Right. Every case has a blind side is what I tell my clients. And part of mediation is not that one side is good or bad or one lawyer's done a better job or another or one argument's better or another, but every case has a blind side. And every case you have some exposure and trying to poke holes in that at the last minute is really what sometimes people need to hear to think, I'm rolling the dice here once I walk through that courthouse door. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I was just telling my guest is a wonderful day because I am joined by the lovely and wonderful Claire Samuels. She is a friend and colleague who's beaming in from beautiful North Carolina, and I'm so happy to have her here. Thank you, Claire. Thanks so much for having me, Susan. This is exciting. We were just talking and I was saying, you know, Mondays are not always my favorite days, but except that's when Divorce and Beyond podcast episodes come out. But I woke up this morning excited to have this conversation with Claire because I realized, although this is a topic that I know and is dear to my heart, I have not talked about on the podcast. And I think it's like really important, critical information for people to have. So I'm so thrilled and, and just to talk to Claire, but I'm so thrilled that she's here. As I always do, I want you to know that the people that you're hearing this information from are truly experts in their field. 
let me just give you a little background on Claire, everyone, just briefly. Claire has been the high-end litigator, divorce litigator that you all, you know, have heard of and know out there. She, for, I think it was the first, what, 10 years of your career, Claire? 13. 13 <laughs> years. Claire was with like the divorce law firm and worked for, I, I, you, you mentioned your, the partner that you worked for was named the most feared and attorney and scariest person in Charlotte. Yes. He made that top 10 list, which was intimidating to me when I started to work for him. <laughs> I, I can't imagine why Claire. Well, and that's who you ended up, you know, being learning from, right? You I did. learned I did. from one of the scariest attorneys in <laughs> in town. Um, and really your firm, who I've gotten to know now, and I know some of the other attorneys who are there now still, lovely, lovely people, but it is a, very much in some ways a litigation firm, a litigation firm. Absolutely, yes. That, that is absolutely what it's known for, for sure. And you found at some point that, you know, that wasn't really your path. And we're going to talk about your backstory from this. But just so that you all know, at, at some point, Claire, um, in early days, this is actually when you and I got to know each other, you transitioned from being a partner in that law firm to opening your own practice, which has blossomed and is thriving. And as are you in your new practice and you have a wonderful new mediation practice and collaborative practice and we're going to be talking about a specific aspect of that today we're going to be talking about the fact that it's never too late to mediate because what you do quite a bit of is mediation for couples who are involved in that traditional represented by attorneys divorce process and they come to you at some point in the process and are able to mediate their case even when it's like they're on the steps of the courthouse. That's right. I would say probably 90% of my practice is comes from lawyers who are pulling me into a case sometimes a week before it's set to go to trial. So that is very, very commonplace that there are hearing dates or trial dates on the court calendar in the cases that we are trying to resolve and able to resolve at that point in time. Well, and there's the key point. And so just from the very start of this episode, I want everyone who's listening to hear what Claire just said, that you are able to mediate and it works even when you're on the steps of the courthouse, even when you have a trial date next week, you can still meet with a wonderful mediator like Claire with your attorneys and resolve that case. So we're gonna be diving into what that looks like today. But I know Claire, for many people, that that's just a new idea right from the start for them, that they didn't even know that at any point during your case, you can always go to a mediator if you agree. I mean, exactly. Like you said, it's never, it's never too late. People settle cases on courthouse steps all the time. I mean, the unfortunate part of that, right, as you and I know, is that at that point you have spent a lot of money. Things have probably gotten quite nasty. Some nasty motions or letters or what have you have been exchanged and gone back and forth. But that doesn't take resolution off the table. 
And sometimes there is the motivation that's needed to take that case all the way to settlement when people have done all of the discovery, gotten all of the stuff um, and information out there and know that there's some real exposure, which there's always exposure, right? Every case has a blind side is what I tell my clients. And part of mediation is not that one side is good or bad or one lawyer's done a better job or another or one argument's better or another, but every case has a blind side and every case you have some exposure and trying to poke holes in that at the last minute is really what sometimes people need to hear to think I'm rolling the dice here once I walk through that courthouse door. You know, having gotten to know you and knowing the level of your litigation practice, I imagine that is why your colleagues are reaching out to you to be their mediator for cases that are in that moment in time, because you've been the attorney pushing open that courtroom door, pulling the the you know suitcase full of files or the having the team walk through with the boxes of files ready for that trial you know what it looks like in that courtroom and i want you know my listeners to understand you know the level of your experience so let's just go back in time to when you started working for the scariest attorney in town <laughs> and you know, tell us a little bit about what a litigation practice was like, because you were a, you were a superstar. You like rose up through the ranks of that firm like a rocket. Well, thank you. Um, it, I mean, it's intense, as you as you know. We've talked about you know the similar paths that we had to this point in time. It's very intense. I mean, I was fortunate to be learning from some of the best attorneys you know, in our city, in our state, there's no doubt about it. It was an invaluable time for me to learn how to, you know, hone my instincts and and work really hard, but it's intense and sometimes really toxic when you're going to work every day, armoring up, you know, figuring out how to write the most aggressive letter, take the most aggressive position, file the, you know, everything is being on the offense versus being on the defense, whatever that ends up meaning in your practice. But it is a high alert, intense practice day after day that most lawyers behind closed doors will tell you makes them miserable and also makes their clients miserable. And I, I started feeling that fairly early on. I mean, it, it feels great, right, to get prepared and go into court and win a case and, you know, your, your client is pleased, but that's just the beginning of the next cycle of whatever the next thing is going to be in that case. That's, that's typically not the end, and it's just wash, rinse, repeat day after day, and I got tired of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's so true, right? I think you know, there's so much in that, that, that rings true for me, because I remember I loved going into the courtroom. Mm -hmm. I loved using my wits and taking the facts and the law and, you know, working them together so that I could get the outcome that my client wanted. And yes, you're right, right? It was a victory in that moment if you could win. But what you often found is we pushed our way back out through the courtroom doors and back down the courthouse steps, 
what felt like a win just a few minutes ago as you saw the couple walk off yelling at each other in the parking lot or you saw one person upset and frustrated or you got the phone call the next day that there was a huge fight at the drop off of the kids you just realized there was that was not really a win there you had to redefine what winning looked like right 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 exactly i know for you at some point you you realized it it was time to make a change that that for you professionally there was going to be a better way to do this yeah I, i mean i started to struggle really just feeling out of alignment with what I was doing and how I saw that it was impacting families, the crazy piece of it is a lot of times, and I'm, and I, and I know that they think this is that a lot of times parents think that they are fighting for their children or doing what is best for their children. And you don't want to take anything away from that, but the high conflict that they get brought into, I just, I am not a, psychologist or a therapist, but they all tell us that it's just so traumatizing to them. And um, you you see that play out. And it was just not something that I wanted to be a part of anymore, or that I really believe served my clients or their kids in ways that they were really looking for. Yeah. and, And I think that that is a common thread that we find in our field um, as divorce mediators or family mediators, uh, that many of us have, uh, you know, in fact, I think our last training course out of 40 participants, 38 or 37 were divorce litigators who had that same light bulb go off. And one of the things that was really interesting, one of the things that they said is that sitting as a group and hearing from 36 other divorce attorneys that they were feeling the same thing actually just reinforced for them that there did need to be a better way for families and there did need to be an alternate path. And that's why I think this conversation that we're having today is so important for people because so often couples, when they you know, go through that time of, do we get a divorce, don't we? And it's decided that that's the, the course the family is going to follow. Everyone runs out, gets an attorney, and just automatically assumes that that litigation route or that traditional pathway is going to be how, it's just how it has to happen. And so I know for people listening today, just hearing from you at the top of the episode, that right up to pushing through that courtroom door, they can go down a different hallway and meet with a mediator like you and resolve their case and that that works is is going to introduce hope for people. But tell me, you know, let's break this down into pieces. How do people get to you if they did want to mediate? How does the typical case come through your door? Who gets in touch with you? It's typically their attorneys are reaching out to me saying that there's a case that is in litigation and I get the names of the attorneys and the parties and run a conflicts check like I would in my normal practice before speaking with a client or a potential client rather. We go from there in terms of selecting dates and and times to figure out when we can 
all get together for mediation. So explain for the people who don't understand the conflicts check. Explain sure. what that is. Sure. So the attorneys are letting me know that they are involved in the parties that they're representing and ensuring that I also have a private practice where I still work as an attorney and represent clients. So making sure that I haven't either represented one party or, uh, or had an initial consultation or a meeting with one of the parties or am not connected to the parties in some way or another that would influence my ability to serve as a neutral mediator in the case. Right. And that's that's a critical part because for so many of us who did, especially you who have been in your community for so many years and who were with a large firm for a long time and now are still representing clients, it's important that that neutrality of the mediator be protected at all costs. And so right from the very start, part of your process is making sure that you are neutral and, and there are no conflicts with any of the parties who are involved, right? Right, exactly. And I like to make sure that there's even, you know, just the lawyers on the other side. A lot of times now I, I get calls from lawyers in my old firm, but the, the lawyers on the other side know that I came from that firm. So it's, I kind of put that out there. If I think the lawyer might not know where I came from, most do, I will put that out there just so there's not any kind of appearance for them or their clients, you know, because with Google, you can figure out where I was and, oh, Claire used to, you know, and so I like to just make that really, really clear. I typically even kind of go over some of those things in my first meeting with the clients and their attorneys to say that I've typically worked with both of their lawyers at some point in my career, either with them as law, you know, people move in and out of firms. I've either, I was at the same place for a really, really long time, but people came and went and that, you know, I've either practiced law with or against most of the lawyers I work with as a mediator now. And so I think that's also helpful. It reassures clients that you have really good lawyers if you end up in a courtroom, but you now also have somebody here to help you try to extract you from that process before you go that final round. You know, I think that's a really important aspect um, because if you've practiced in an area for a certain period of time, I was in Fairfield County, Connecticut for 26 years. There were very few attorneys I didn't know by that time. Most of right. us knew each other. We were friends. We I knew right. about their kids. I asked about their parents. You know, we had all known each other for a long time. That doesn't mean we can't be neutral when right. we are working as professionals, but it does bring that added layer, right? You know the attorneys, you know the court system in the area in which you're practicing. You've been there and you know at least from the perspective of what it looks like in the courtroom so that you can bring that into the mediation room for the benefit of the parties. Yeah, I, I think that it's all of that as a combination that really can be helpful. Knowing the lawyers on a personal level and also having some understanding of how they practice, what's important to them, how I've seen them do things before can also be an added little bonus for how we might work things out. You mentioned that usually it's outreach from one of the attorneys. I would imagine almost all the time one of the attorneys is reaching out to you. But I do want the listeners to realize 
that process of getting to mediation can be started by the clients talking to their attorneys and saying, hey, is mediation an option for us? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, thankfully in North Carolina, um, our statutes, if you file a lawsuit in the state of North Carolina um, related to equitable distribution which is property division in North Carolina, or custody, you're going to be required to participate in some kind of mediation or alternative dispute resolution process, either through the court system or privately with someone like me. And I don't think people know that. So absolutely having that conversation with your lawyer about can we do this on the front end? Can we do this before we're ordered to do this? Can we do this before we're under court deadlines and things like that and getting into the mediation room sooner? But again, it's going to happen one way or the other, and it can happen really close in time to hearing dates and trials and is the way we see a lot of cases get resolved. Yeah, well, let me first say bravo to North Carolina for having that in your statutes, because I will tell listeners the vast majority of states do not have a provision, at least when it comes to equitable distribution or property division. A lot of states will say before you can get into a courtroom on a custodial issue, you have to go to mediation private or through the courts. But equitable distribution is not usually mandated for mediation. So see me applauding everybody. But for those of you who are out there who are not in North Carolina, know that even if you're represented by an attorney, early in your case, in the middle of your case, or as you're walking up those courtroom steps, you can talk to your attorney about mediating the case. So it may not be that your attorney is going to come to you and make the suggestion, although I hope they will, But if they don't, you can raise this with your attorney and see if it's a viable option for your case. Hi, everyone. This is just a quick reminder to check out the Divorce and Beyond members-only community. You can join on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com because I know that these ads and interruptions are a little pesky. So members get interruption-free episodes as well as a monthly special private exclusive podcast episode. There's also other benefits as well. So be sure to take a look and subscribe for only $10 a month on the website. Again, that's divorceandbeyondpod.com. Stay tuned for more from my visit with my friend and colleague, attorney and mediator, Claire Samuels, as we discuss why it's never too late to mediate. This provides an opportunity for creativity. You know, our judges have limited time and rules that govern their decisions here. We can come up with something specifically tailored for your family, for your circumstances, for your finances. We can take the time to create the little nuances that feel good for the two of you versus trying to put everything into a cookie cutter formula. If you're enjoying this episode, check out my interview with mediators and coaches, Tracy Callahan and Deborah Doak. 
the founders of the Divorce Coaches Academy, talking about how to find the coach you need to succeed in your divorce. They are the captain of their ship. They make decisions. And it's that empowerment that we give back and support our clients and allows them to not only make a difference in terms of what they want their divorce to look like, but work on some skills that will carry them through so many other aspects of their life. And now we return to today's show. So once you get that outreach, you've done your conflict check, Claire, everything's good to go. You mentioned you set up usually scheduling sometimes. Who do you meet with first? How does the how does it get started? So we all meet together. Typically, the attorneys let me know whether they think we're going to need a half, a whole day, two days. That's an interesting new trend I'm seeing is sometimes people want the two-day block to have the first day and the backup day. Then on the date of mediation, typically we get everybody situated in their separate rooms. And then I typically like to chat with the lawyers just for a few minutes. I, at that point, only know the names of the parties, the attorneys, and the core issues involved in the case and whether or not the matter is in litigation. So I typically like to chat with attorneys to see what has been done up to that point, perhaps if there are any hot button issues, anything that we want to really accomplish within the time limit we have, if anybody has time limits that day. So really kind of just a catch up session with the lawyers. I do that for a few minutes. Then we bring everybody, assuming it is okay with both attorneys and there aren't any issues of, you know, domestic violence or things that we're trying to um, keep people in separate rooms for any particular reason. We bring everybody together so I can explain the rules of mediation at one time, that it's a confidential process, that it is, you know, that I'm a neutral, that I'm not there to make decisions, all of that kind of good educational stuff. So everybody hears the same thing at the same time. I tell them a little bit about myself so they know I'm not just a stranger. I'm going to be hearing a lot about their life in the time that we're together. So I like to let them know a little bit about me. And then I share with them why I think mediation is, you know, an invaluable process and the best process for um, resolving family law disputes. And then we separate and then we separate and I start wherever the natural place is to start. And I go back and forth um, until we reach a resolution. So you do, I always call that the shuttle diplomacy. Yeah, I remember yes. the days of doing that in my high heels and I'd have my file and my my yellow pad and I'd go bouncing back and forth between conference rooms and our office space. Now I do everything online. So yep. I can just click buttons and go between rooms. But I think an important thing that you just said, Claire, is even if you are on the, you know, on your way to court and you you bypass or you take a detour to mediation, your mediator is neutral, not a decision maker. So yes, in a courtroom, you're going in front of that person in a rope who is going to make decisions for you. But very, very differently, even though you're, you know, you're ready for a trial, this is not a, a pseudo trial or a mock trial or a replacement for a trial. This is an opportunity to have discussions that are facilitated by your skilled mediator so that you can make decisions and agreements and come to resolutions, right? 
Right, exactly. And that's and 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 we talk about that, right? That this provides an opportunity for creativity. You know, our judges have limited time and rules that govern their decisions. Here we can come up with something specifically tailored for your family, for your circumstances, for your finances. We can take the time to create the little nuances that feel good for the two of you versus trying to put everything into a cookie cutter formula. Well, and a lot of times the law proscribes or prescribes an ending or a resolution to things. And that may not actually be what either of you wants. Whereas, as you were just saying, really, you can be creative and come up with you know, gosh, all kinds of things. And I think that's one area where you must be a huge help to people because with your experience of all these years in the field, the brainstorming and the the possibilities are, you have things to add to that conversation they may not have ever heard of or thought of. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And I think, you know, now more than ever with, um, people working from home versus now people going back to home. Like, what does that mean? Like school being in versus school being out. Like there's a lot of things that we have to think about related to kids that we didn't have to think about before. But also, I mean, even if you're in a case that doesn't have kids, that doesn't mean mediation. Again, creativity with finances. Maybe, you know, you have a base and a bonus structure that you're dealing with for support issues or, you want you need to pay something out over time or you know like to be able again to just not have a it has to be done this way by this time this manner something that gets shoved on people that might not really work for them that then lawyer then you're paying lawyers to also try to negotiate that and clean that up and make it workable yeah um mediation lets you solve for all of that right well, and a good point, uh, you mentioned cost. And I do think it's important that people know, yes, you are going to pay your private mediator. Your attorneys are going to spend time preparing for the mediation. They may provide information or written documentation to the mediator ahead of time. And certainly that half day, day, or two days of time will be paid for. But you're, pay you're gonna pay that if you go to court anyway it's 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 money that's going to be spent and you may very well walk out of the mediation with a resolution that you chose what you can and cannot live with as opposed to going to a courtroom which you and i have both been in that courtroom claire has your client gotten everything they wanted every single time you went into a courtroom no no client ever gets every single thing they want to and if you go meet with a lawyer who tells you they can do that for you you've got real problems yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> you're being not, sold a bill of goods <laughs> it is not possible because ultimately even if you walk away with every financial thing there's something about there there's there's just no way in a courtroom to get the resolution that people are looking for you'll still be missing the emotional piece there'll still be something about the parenting piece and by the way no one gets everything that they want financially in a courtroom or in a mediation let's talk about that that's right i mean in a mediation compromise is the name of the game but it's compromise you choose versus it being 
shoved on you, right? Because even in the in the cases where you get 98% of what you wanted or 97% of you want, you know what the person who got 3%, they're looking for all the loopholes or they're looking for the way to get you the next time. So yeah, same thing in, I mean, mediation, you're not, I don't love the saying that like everybody walks away equally unhappy because I, I don't think that that is true. I think that that that's typically the feeling in yeah. a courtroom, right? But I, I think that it is about compromise. And I think what we try to get to the bottom of is what is really important to you and why, so we can figure out how to shift pieces. Cause there's typically somewhere where you can shift. There's some, every issue and every topic isn't gonna have equal meaning to both sides. Well, I think that's a critical point as well. And I think if we were going to be giving sort of some tips to people going into a mediation, really at any point, but certainly as you're getting close to the that courtroom door, knowing the priorities of the issues for you, what's of the utmost importance and what can you give on and flip that around because you also probably have insights as to what your your husband or your wife, your spouse also would be prioritizing and what would be less important because it's that's a that's a large part of the win-win or the at least not lose-lose that right. you can craft in a mediation, right? You can what we try to do is have people walk away on both sides with as much of what they would like as possible and by choosing what they don't. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, exactly. If you were going to talk to someone, talk to my listeners out there who would be getting ready with their attorney to go into a one day or a two day mediation and they've got their trial date a couple of weeks down the road before they were to walk into your offices what would you tell them what would how would you tell them to get ready mentally and emotionally for the process it i mean it's a, some of the just basics are it's it's, it's a long day and you typically have downtime. I mean, what I used to tell my clients as a lawyer, it's a long day. There may be a lot going on, but typically we're really prepared walking through the door. So every break and every downtime where the mediator goes into the other room, we're not going to, you know, furiously working on something in our room because hopefully we're, we're very prepared. There might be some of that, but bring a book, bring something that is like comforting to you. I mean, Typically, you know, now people can play on their phones, right? And and stuff like that. But I typically say, you know, bring work, bring a book, bring something that brings you comfort. I know one of the bonuses you've talked about with our online mediations, right? Is people have pets and different things that in that downtime bring, bring them comfort. But I think that that's important. If you typically lunch and snacks and all of that kind of stuff is part of the day and provided by the mediator or the lawyers or whoever's hosting, but if you know I need this or I want this or this particular thing will be soothing to me, I mean, so just some logistics, personal logistics to take care of and, and anticipating it's going to be a long day, uh, two, five o'clock day. You know, the worst is when people show up to mediation at 930 and they're like, well, I have to be out of here by noon. You're like, well, <laughs> that's not what we said was going to happen. 
<laughs> so being prepared, you know, of, of what the time frame is, making sure your kids are drop ups, pick offs, animals, all that kind of stuff is covered. So like basic logistics so you can actually be there, be present, be focused, having the conversation, either thinking through with yourself if you're a pro se party, but um, or with your lawyer about the, you know, priorities, the list of priorities, what's really important to you. And, you know, a go to for so many people is like, well, the kids, the kids are the priority. Well, breaking that down a little bit further into what does that mean to you versus saying, you know, I want what's best for the kids or they're our top priority. That's my only issue that I care about. Kind of breaking down very specifically for you what that means. And hopefully you have a lawyer that's having that kind of conversation with you. What does that mean? And you want this schedule. Why is the schedule what you think is best for them? What, you know, that kind of just kind of the deeper, like the more why questions about what it is that's important to you. Then thinking about the areas where you know, like this really isn't important to me. And I know if I can shift a little bit here, then maybe I can get something over here. That's how the negotiations of life work. So why would the negotiations related to divorce and your kids or separation be any different, right? Right, no, it's very true. And it's, you know, I would say I, I love, you know, the bringing the things that bring you comfort. I mean, I always would tell people dress comfortably. I always said, bring a book. Now I'd say, you know, have some podcasts teed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not divorce podcasts, maybe. Maybe you want to listen to something <laughs> a little different. Comedy or, or something to, or peaceful music or calm the app, right? Do a meditation. But also, you know, and I say this to both attorneys and the clients coming in is everybody, you know, take a deep breath get off of the adversarial mindset and and everybody just soften into that let's see if we can really just bring this to a resolution for everybody because sometimes i think we get so caught up at that high level of that vibration of it has to be a win or a lose that we get lost in that and so i always you know in my intro introductory remarks to people will say, you know, trust me, I've been here many, many times before when it seemed hopeless. And I know that if we all just take a pause and take a moment, we can find ways that you haven't thought of or new, new ways to put the pieces together. So this is going to work for your family. I love that. I actually, a lot of times I'm traveling to law firms sometimes, sometimes my place sometimes, but I'm, but I, so I take, I actually have these little cards and as part of my intro, I, I say your lawyers know that I'm a serious lawyer, so don't freak out, but your lawyers also know that I am very woo woo. I am a yogi and I believe in all of that. And if you do too, awesome. If not take it for what it's worth, but there's a card in my little mediation bag that I take with me to each client that has a Kundalini meditation that I tell people throughout today when like you, when it gets to be three o'clock and everybody's clenching their fist and feeling like they've, they've been giving all day and the other side hasn't, it's a Kundalini meditation and it's just peace begins with me and you just touch your thumb to each finger and you can do it under the table. You can do it in the car when you're mad at somebody, you can, you can say it out loud. You can say it to yourself, but it, if you actually just take even just a minute to do that, it will 
calm you down. So that's actually something that I share with my clients as well. It's kind of something that will help them regroup throughout the day if they need it. Well, I, I do. You, I've done that because you did that in a in a training that we did together. And I wonder, would you be willing to share that with my listeners? Absolutely, sure. Uh, yes. I think so everybody, I'll I'll get the information from Clara as to how we can share that. Be looking in the show notes, and we'll have information because I know exactly what she's talking about, and really. It is something, it is a tool you can use, not just in your mediation. You can use it at all times. Face it, we live in stressful days these days. I could have used it this past weekend. I know. I know. Yes. I was just telling Claire about my crazy weekend. So, you know, we we all need these times. But ultimately, at a high level, I, I, I know what you've just done in this episode, Claire, is given so many people hope. And shown, you've been shining a light on the fact that no matter what, it is never too late to mediate and that it can be done and that it just, it takes someone to be brave enough to bring up the idea. Even if it's been talked about before in your case, even if it was the other side that, you know, your, your spouse or their attorney said no, Try one more time. There are benefits for all of you. And there are attorneys like Claire out there who are now mediating, who bring that wealth and skill to the table and every day help people resolve their divorce, whether it's at the beginning or on the courtroom steps. Right, Claire? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Claire, how can people get in touch with you? My website is clairesamuelslaw.com. And I'm on Facebook and social media, Claire Samuels Law and LinkedIn. But there's lots of good information on my um, website, you know, how to get in touch with me, resources, things that I share with clients. Susan's podcast is on there and just lots of good stuff. So that's the best way to find me. And definitely follow Claire on Instagram. I follow her on Instagram. She has a wonderful feed with all kinds of great tips and also just little insights into her beautiful practice. It's called a becoming divorce. She has a wonderful practice that she has set up and a curated community. If you are in North Carolina, in her area, please, please, please check it out because there are resources. Claire is there and then more resources than you can possibly imagine. And she's really, you've just, you have created something beautiful there, your community, Claire. So I thank you so much for taking time with my audience today. I know, I know that you have been shining a light for people today. Thank you so much, Susan. It was really so great to be here and such an honor to spend time with you and your listeners. And I really appreciate it. And you'll be able all to meditate and touch your fingers soon. So exactly, exactly. Peace begins with all of you. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Thank you, Claire. Thanks. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube 
YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.